Welcome to the very first episode of the Info to Grow podcast. I'm your host, Alex Lovedall, and we have got a good one lined up for you today. I sat down with our director of Discovery and Innovation, Brian Hashmeyer, and chatted with him about this year's upcoming planting season and what growers can be doing to get their season off to a good start. So he and his team have developed this really neat enzyme formulation that goes into planting. It's a liquid. It's got a little bit of zinc with it, and they are seeing all kinds of good results across the country and on different crops. So here's Brant, Director of Discovery and Innovation, Brian Hashmeyer. Okay, we now welcome on a very special guest, Brian Hashmeyer. Brian, how's it going, man? It's going good. Thanks for having me here. Uh, no problem at all. So as I mentioned before, Brian is our Director of Discovery and Innovation for Brant. So let's start there. Give me a give me a rundown of what exactly Discovery and Innovation is here. Yeah, so I kind of sum it up with two things. One is knowledge and the other is technology. A lot of guys think about Discovery and Innovation as research and development for new products, which we certainly do, and it's a fun part of the job. But the other really important key there is just knowledge, the how and the why. Why do things want to work? And in fact, I find growers are probably more interested in that than the technology part, but the two go hand in hand for sure. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I like the the DNI better than R&D. I don't know, especially the innovation part, because it seems like that's what you guys are, are really up to out there. Uh, give me a little background about yourself. How long have you been working with Brant or for Brant? So I've been here 13 years now, um, and I started as a formulation chemist, and uh, did a a lot of the product development and discovering innovation at the lab level. And over the period of time, it transitioned um, into more leading the group, which has been a lot of fun. We've got a lot of really good formulation chemists and, and a lot of super talented agronomists. So it's a fun team to be a part of. Um, do you feel like you found your calling working in agriculture? Yeah, well, yeah, I do. And it's not what I set out to do, ironically. Yeah. Um, I thought about like pharmaceuticals and uh, lab stuff. and. That's why I majored in chemistry, focused on organic chemistry. Then I worked for an engineering firm for five, six years, which was a lot of fun. Um, but ultimately, I ended up at ag, not my intended target, but it's definitely, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Great people, and it's just a lot of fun to be in this environment. Right, and that's what I was thinking, just because, like, from the outside looking in, um, I was a farmhand back in college. This would have been, like, 2010 through 2014. And you formulated the smart system products like Brandt Smart Trio that we were using in basically every application that we were making across the field. I think we called it like the no duh juice or something like that just because it worked so well. Um, and then I started working here, saw you as a chemist, and then watched you transition into the director of DNI, where you basically had to pick up agronomy. And it's been really fun to watch you grab a hold of it and learn it as fast as you have. So, but it's the end of or beginning of March. We're closing out the winter months, so what all have you been up to this winter? You know, this winter has been busy like all winters. Been running around doing a lot of uh, training, uh, particularly training on our ends-up technology and our smart system technology. It's the time of year when everybody wants to get together and discuss, hey, how the trial data go, what new information do you have? Um, so it's just trying to get the word out about brand products, the technology, where their fit is. So I just want to reiterate to our listeners that that's kind of the, the purpose and the point of this podcast is that, you know, Brian can't be everywhere at once. He spends all his winter months traveling around doing these training and education programs. So this podcast is a chance for us to get the word out um, on what he's got to share. So speaking of which, you came up with the name for this podcast, Info to Grow. Uh, you were kind of doing some other stuff with it. Where did that name come from? Because you're making all of us in marketing look bad. Well, 
like I said before, knowledge, I think, is really important. So info is the knowledge side, and we're trying to grow plants. We're trying to grow yields. We're trying to increase our ROI. So you just yeah. kind of every once in a while get a lucky phrase. It sounds <laughs> it's not like it makes perfect sense, so I'm glad, <clears throat> I'm glad you came up with it because it works well. All right, so we're here in Illinois, heartland of the U.S., where corn and soybeans are live. So planting season is just around the corner, not only here but in a large part of the, of the U.S. For, for row crops. So I want to pick your brain about how growers can ensure they get their season off right. So first off, how high or how important is planting in, in terms of importance um, in the growing season? Well, it's, it's extremely important. Um, there's a lot of factors in that. You know, planting days can affect yield, how you plant, the emergence, uh, early vigor. All those things are, are pretty significant. So it's without giving it a ranking number, I would say it's pretty high. Yeah, I mean, that's just what I've come to notice is that, especially around planting, that there's so many factors, whether it be what the weather's doing, soil temps, uh, you know, planting dates, seed treatments, all this stuff. So what's one thing that you're, you and your team have, have done to try to combat some of these uncertainties um, at planting? Well, on corn, if we look at, well, corn, soybeans, or cotton, really, we've been focused a lot on using enzyme technology um, to get the crops off to a good start. Um, early plant vigor is important for us, even emergence. Um, so over the last three or four years, we've been doing a lot of research on the enzymes, and we launched a product called Brandt Enzyme Zinc, uh, which is an infer or two-by-two treatment uh, that guys put out. Um, and that's been really successful. We've, we've got a lot of data over the last four years, and uh, it has a high uh, percentage of win rates. And we're seeing what we're really seeing is increased rip masses, better stock diameters, and height. Um, and that's important. These guys want to get their crops off to a good start, get them out of the ground early, and have that early plant vigor. And that's what we're seeing with ends up zinc. Gotcha. So obviously it goes in at the planting time. So is it doing things to the soil? Is it doing things to the plant itself to kind of improve things there? Or, or what's going on at that time to, to make it a useful product? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, there's two enzymes that ends up zinc. Uh, one breaks down cellulose and the other will break down lipids in the soil. Um, when you break down the cellulose, you release a lot of free sugars. Um, and that two things can happen. Well, two things do happen. One is the free sugars are a good source for microbial growth. So we get increased in natural uh, microbial population. Uh, and also when the cellulose breaks down, the plant risk can actually uptake the uh, free sugar, um, which they can use for growth. And then on the lipids, about 20% of organic matter in the soil is lipid-based. Uh, and the lipase enzyme breaks down those lipids. It releases nutrients in the soil, and it also has a benefit on the microbial population. So we're definitely making a better soil environment um, for the crops to take off of. So plants obviously need all kinds of nutrients to grow. So why did you choose zinc to go along with these enzymes at planting? Well, in this particular formulation, we have an, an enzyme that uses zinc as a cofactor. Um, and what that means is when the enzyme has the zinc present, that it actually upregulates its activity and it works better. So in the absence of zinc, it doesn't work as efficiently. So that's for us, we have the zinc in there because it really drives the enzyme activity, and, and that's where most of the benefit is coming from. However, on corn in particular, corn is very responsive to zinc. Um, it's really important for root growth and oxen production. So it's pretty common practice in the corn belt to, to add zinc anyway uh, for a lot of good reasons. So it's a nice little fit at that timing. Is it a, uh, is it a chelated zinc? 
Yeah, it is chelated. It'll mix with ortho, polyphosphates. It'll mix with about anything you want to mix with. Um, so you're you're free to mix it with any starter fertilizer you have without yeah, concern. I mean, chelates are, are really, really common for, for planting, right? Yeah, so zinc EDTA and citrates and ammoniate are the most common. Um, but this one is, is a fully chelated one. The advantage to that is it's got better soil mobility, and you don't have to worry about will it mix with my starter or not. So I was hanging around the research farm last year when we were doing some some Enzo Zinc trials, and I was chatting with Ed Corrigan, our agronomist out there, and he was kind of explaining to me that um, the Enzo Zinc uses an unbelievably low rate compared to uh, traditional starter fertilizers. So can you explain, like, what the benefit might be for a low rate application at, at planting? Yeah. Um, it varies a little bit by geography, depending on where you are the volume of starter fertilizer you put down will, will vary a lot. So in the Midwest, it could be two, three, four gallons. If you move out to the Southeast or even the West, poor soil conditions, they'll, they'll put higher rates. Um, but not everybody wants to put large volumes out because they have to stop and fill up the tanks again and, and they don't have the time to do that. So you do have some guys that just run um, something like an ends up thing by itself. It's only a quart per acre, so you can run a lot farther, a lot a more. quart compared to like two gallons? Yeah, traditional. Okay. So, but it all depends on what the grower wants to do. Right. There are definitely areas where the starter fertilizer is a necessary um, fertilizer that the guys need. In other areas, they may not want it, depending on their fertility program. So, you know, if a guy just wants to run the ends up zinc, and maybe he wants to run an infero fungicide and an insecticide, the ends up zinc can run with that by itself. You don't have to put yeah. it with starter fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Um, it just all happens that most of the guys that have liquids. Um, or plumbed up for that. And planters are running starter fertilizer, so most of our trials are with it. But okay. we've seen good responses with or without starter fertilizer. Okay. Yeah, that clears it up because I didn't know if it was by itself or you were adding it to a traditional starter. Uh, so you mentioned infurrow there. This is a question I, I heard a lot recently was people would come up and ask, well, infurrow or two-by-two? Two? Um, so is it, does it work well with both? Yeah, it, it can go either way. We can do infer or two by two. We like to have it within two inches of the seed. Yeah. If you start getting farther away from that, you might want to increase the rate a little bit more. But the way most planters are set up, they're either they're usually within two inches of the seed. Is banded a thing? I feel like I've heard that. Yeah. Is that yeah, you can band it? Um, okay. You can band it right over the top of the seed if you want. Gotcha. Yeah. Full disclosure: When I was a farmhand, I always missed the planting season because I was away at school. So I. A lot of the stuff, I was like, I don't know what this is. So I had to look it up. But these are the, the different terms that I've heard. Um, so we just got back from the Commodity Classic, the, the trade show down in San Antonio for a bunch of growers. And, man, there's all kinds of buzz about enzymes. Um, so it seems like a lot of enzyme products out there. So are all these enzymes in these different products the same? Is it the same type? Or are there differences that, that people need to look out for? So you're definitely right. The enzyme vocabulary or people using the word enzymes is definitely a lot more popular. Um, now, if you look at enzymes, it's very specifically on the label, two enzymes listed, mannanase and lipase, and we know very specifically what they do. Um, and there's been a lot of improvements on protecting enzymes, so they actually have long-term shelf lives and can last in the soil. Um, and so we have a lot of work around that, um, and we're very confident that our enzymes have good shelf life and that they perform in the soil. What I am seeing is a lot of people saying they have enzymes, and there's nothing on the label. It doesn't say what enzyme. One of the common things for that are seaweed-based products um, because they extract the seaweed, and they say they're naturally existing enzymes, uh, which may be true, but we're looking at enzymes upward of 10,000 times the concentration of that. 
suggestion. So uh, they don't have to put it on the label for registration but, or anything? Are they just... Well, they just have it as marketing claims okay. or just... You know, it depends on the states. Some yeah. states are a lot more lenient on that, particularly the Midwestern don't, states. Don't get we out. all know that? Yeah. <laughs> if you go out to California, that, that won't fly, or the West Coast. But Right. Oh, yeah, so, I mean, it's important to look at the guaranteed analysis on, on what the enzymes actually are, right? Yeah, if you have a product and the enzymes aren't labeled and they don't tell you what they are, they don't tell you what the concentrations are. Yeah, mm, be on the lookout. Maybe ask some questions. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so enzymes were a buzz, and then I, I see different things about microbes, kind of making similar claims to what to what it, what your enzymes that you're talking about do. So mm-hmm. is there a, a key difference in microbes and enzymes? I mean, I have no idea what the difference is or, or if they're the same. Yeah, there are distinct differences. Number one, enzymes are not living organisms. Um, that's one of the common misconceptions why I talk to growers, they, and I can see why they think that enzymes mm-hmm. a living organism like a microbe. Um, they're not. They're these proteins that do a very specific function um, so you can target very specifically what you want to do now there are some similarities because when microbes grow and they need to get food sources a lot of times they'll actually produce enzymes themselves and exude enzymes and some of the benefits you get from microbes are actually the enzymes that they exude uh, one way to get around that and have a more efficient product is actually identify enzymes that are beneficial and harvest the enzymes and put them out at a hundred thousand times more that in the soil than they are. So in a way, we're kind of circumventing or almost leapfrogging over what a microbe would do and going mm-hmm. very specific to the enzyme we want. Um, so and then microbes are a bit more fickle. They got to have the right temperature. They got to be near the seed. They kind of wait for the seed to germinate and for the radical to come out. Uh, the enzymes can move through the soil a little bit better. A larger area of volume is affected. Um, don't get me wrong. I've seen some good microbial products. Mm-hmm. But we just felt that the enzymes were a lot more targeted approach. Um, so that's the route we went, and we feel pretty good about it. Um, how long has Enzyme been on the market available to growers? So it's been available to growers for three years. The first year, we basically took 40,000 acres, and, and it wasn't a large one, large amount, but we just pretty well just got it out and mm-hmm. got trial data. So um, then the last year was the first full year. Of, of the product release and everything. Uh, yeah, at any sort of volume. And so I guess third year, I'm, what I'm saying, this will be the, the third full year of it. Okay, so three years on the market, and then how long before those three years did you guys trial? There was two years before that, so um, at least at the field level, and then maybe, boy, the lab work, I can't tell you. So it's been yeah. six, seven years. Man, it takes crazy. a lot of times. you got to isolate the enzymes, find the right ones, figure out which ones are stable, protect them, do the... Do the greenhouse work. Do the lab work. Take it to the field. How do you like? How do you control your? Because ex- I imagine when you get a product like this, it's it's fairly exciting. And then is it kind of daunting to know like the task ahead to get this to market? It is daunting. It's uh, but it's fun. Yeah. You know, and uh, the team I have, you know, I give them a lot of credit because they're without that team and those experts we have, Lucas in the lab and Ed Corrigan and Andrew Peterson mm-hmm. and Brad Walker and all those guys that are on the team, and you know, they do one hell of a job for us. And uh, so it's fun. It's more yeah. fun than it is daunting because that's what they do. That's what they like to do. Right. Remember, these guys are researchers. They have fun doing that. And to do new things and discover and innovate, that's what the group's all about. So, And we're blessed at Brandt to have, you know, a family-owned company that's, has a genuine interest in it and mm-hmm. invest the money in it because I know not everybody has that environment 
And without that environment, you know, we wouldn't have these type of products. So yeah, I mean, seven years, and you think about all the the time and money invested in this. I mean, it, it's it's kind of amazing. Um, so your researchers, they're out there doing the trials before it goes to market, and they're the ones that gather all this data and they make the recommendation for the label that goes on to to registration. It, it comes kind of from the source from them. Yeah, so we, we get together as a team and we, we figure out a research plan. We go out and we run trials. And, you know, it's not just yield all the time. Sometimes it's uh, stock diameters and mm-hmm. root mass. And, you know, ultimately the ROI to the grower is, is the big thing. But, you know, we need to figure out what's happening, what's it doing to the plant, and uh, what are the benefits. So it, sometimes it can feel grueling, especially mm-hmm. when, the, when the enzymes aren't working or whatever technology. Um, and that's part of it. You know, yeah. probably, I don't know if people realize it, but... Probably at least 60, 70% of what we try doesn't work. <laughs> but you learn something yeah. when you do that. That's the. You That's know, good you, you can get away with that because I think if 60 or 70% of my work didn't didn't come <laughs> through, I don't know if I'd still be working here. But no, that's that's part of the process. That's part of it. But you mentioned one thing there that I want to touch on, and that's that's ROI. And you mentioned earlier win rates as well. So can you kind of touch on what you're seeing in the field and how the product's performing and, and what all it's doing for people? Yeah, so a win rate for brand is anytime. You know, a grower, say he spends five dollars, he needs to get ten dollars back, so he needs to double his money. Yeah. So um, it's not a win. A win isn't you know a penny more than what he put in. Right? No, no, not. I mean, everybody defines it different. Right. For us, it's like the grower has to at least double his money because we figure that's what they're wanting. Mm-hmm. You know, if they don't get that out of it, they're probably not that excited about it. Um, so we're, if you look at win rates on ends up zinc and corn, it's about seventy percent, yeah. which is for especially product is really good and really consistent. Uh, soybeans, we don't have as big a data set, but it, what we do have looks very promising, yeah. um, which we didn't originally do a lot of trials on soybeans. It's been kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So we've been running more trials lately, and then soybeans, it's been extremely good. Yeah. Um, there's not a big inferral market, so we didn't do a lot, but now we're kind of thinking, well, we should have been doing that. So yeah. we're trying to catch up on that, but it looks very good on soybeans. Um, and then cotton's the other one we've done a lot of trials on. We just started doing trials on wheat and uh, I can tell you for sure we're putting better root masses on and have a better plant vigor, mm-hmm. and we'll have a better idea about yield here pretty soon. Yeah, that's pretty awesome that the same formulation is performing well across the board on all different kinds of crops and even in different regions across the U.S. So, All right, well, I think that's all I have. So, man, we really appreciate the time and, and you chatting with us about planting season and, and how growers can get their season off to a good start. But we got to have you back on in a couple months whenever the crop's got a little life to them and we can check in. Uh, and see what else growers can be doing at that time to help maximize their season. So thanks, man. We appreciate it. Oh, I I enjoy it. Thanks for having me. That's going to do it for episode one of the Info to Grow podcast. We can't thank you enough for listening. Shout out to Brian Hashmeyer for joining us. Uh, He's got so much knowledge and information, so hopefully you learned something. But if you got questions or comments for him, you can reach out to him on Twitter. His handle is at Info to Grow on. Also, if you want more info about the products that we talked about today, you can head to www.brant.co or you can download the Brant Product Finder app off the App Store. We're going to have more episodes coming your way soon, so make sure you hit that subscribe button. That way you can be the first to know when we drop a new episode. Thanks again, everybody, and we'll see you next time.